Emma, I'm, I'm up here in the attic. Hi, hon. Hi, oh. Dad. I, I made some hot cocoa for you. Okay, yeah. thank you. Your hair's green. It's kind of a grinchy thing. Okay, well, it's sea foam, not green. And I told you at Thanksgiving that I was going to be dyeing my hair. You did? Yeah. Also, Dad, didn't I tell you to get the Ghirardelli hot chocolate? Okay. Okay, well, let's get this done. I have to be at Tori's at 10. Really? You just got here. I thought we we could enjoy this together. You used to love doing Christmas decorations with me. Okay, keyword used to love it, just like I used to love unicorns. <laughs> Grinch don't like unicorns. So, uh, how long are you going to keep your hair green? I I'm sorry, sea foam. Well, for as long as you keep all of this junk in the attic. Junk? I'll have you know this is all very meticulously organized. Okay. Well, Dad, be honest. Um, besides these Christmas boxes, when's the last time you opened up any of these other ones? I opened them. <laughs> okay, really? When? Uh, today. Okay. So then, can I open up this box? Not that box. Well, what about this one? Not that one either. Okay, well, what about this one? No, not that one. Well, what about these boxes over here? What even is this? Is this more Christmas stuff? Emma, or... stop! Okay, fine. Sorry, hon. Uh... Hey, you know what I found up here earlier? Hey, check this out. Remember this? Remember when you uh, learned to play Over the Rainbow? It was my all-time favorite. Dad, I hate that thing. What do you mean? I never even wanted to play guitar. How did you not know that? I wanted to play clarinet because all of my friends played clarinet, but... I decided to pick the guitar because I thought it would make you happy. Why would you think it would make me happy? Because you always loved it when Mom played the guitar. Should we just get back to Christmas decorations? Yeah, let's do that. Dad, what's this? <laughs> that is a cassette tape. A what? Well, it's kind of like an old man's Spotify. Never mind. <laughs> How does it work? You know, I, I think I've got a, a player here, a cassette player. Hold on a second. Somewhere, I know it. Yes, yes, yes. Here it is. Check. Look at the size of this baby. Oh. So, now, this is where it goes, right in there. Like this? Uh, yes, but do you want to take it? It's in the case here. Here we go. Oh. Yeah.
uh, you know, I don't think this is going to work anymore. I'm just going to... What do you mean? No, no, Dad, no. Dad, get that back. What, what is on this tape? I, I don't know. You, uh, I'm, I'm kind of tired. Uh, you know, we don't have time for this. No, no, you, you do know what is on this tape. I, I thought you said you wanted to spend time with me. I, I want to listen to what's on this tape. Can we listen to it, please? If you'd like to, sure. Yes. We'll come back to Steve and Emma in a moment, but chances are wherever you're at this Christmas, uh, there's a part of what we just saw in that moment that there is something, there's something that you can resonate with. Uh, whether you're a parent who has big expectations for the holidays and, and for family around the holidays in the face of the inevitable tension that often happens when we are trying to get people who sometimes don't get along together, whether you're a parent who has big hopes around those or whether, or whether you identify more with the, the young adult who is uh, tired of important things being buried, of conflicts being being going unaddressed. Or maybe you just have this acute sense during the holiday season, during this Christmas, that something is missing. This Thanksgiving, I, I caught a glimpse of something out of the corner of my eye that I will never forget. I was dra driving here down Merrimack Road. If you came from the Milford side, maybe you noticed that there's a there's a quaint little Catholic seminary or cemetery on the uh, south side of the road there. And uh, I had just gotten the, the news that my, my COVID test had come back positive. Uh, my in-laws were in town and they were going to fly out in just a couple of days. So for Thanksgiving, I would be isolating away from my family and enjoying a dinner with them over Zoom. It was about lunchtime, about the time that everybody would be gathering together for their Thanksgiving celebrations when I was driving by and I saw a truck parked on the side of the road. Something caught my eye that was happening in the cemetery. Something that I immediately understood as, as emotionally and something that I immediately felt. Something that if you saw, you would have recognized what was happening too. There was a man in about his 60s, maybe early 70s, sitting on a lawn chair beside a gravestone. He was celebrating Thanksgiving with a loved one, perhaps the only loved one he had left, celebrating with a loved one who had passed away. When I saw that moment, my heart hurt. All I had to see was a second of it. And I, and I, and I realized and I remembered that the world is just not the way that it is supposed to be. 2,000 years after angels appeared to shepherds promising peace, it's still not the way that it's supposed to be, is it? I think that that's important to remember as we enter into the Christmas season because even after shepherds became the first outsiders to experience the birth of Christ, they returned to homes, families, and conditions that reminded them that it's not the way that it's supposed to be. How can we talk about peace on earth when so many, for so many of us, there doesn't seem to be peace in front of us. How can we talk about peace on earth? Well, we're not here to talk about empty promises so much tonight, but 
is it possible that the otherworldly peace that the angels promised when Jesus' tiny body entered into the world is not only real, but is something that could be experienced by us today? The story of Jesus' birth is really well known. Um, in Luke chapter 10 verses, in Luke chapter 2 verses 10 through 14, we encounter shepherds for the very first time. As is often the case with these encounters, uh, the shepherds are taken back by a powerful light that breaks through the night. And they see these angels breaking into the world with this major announcement. And naturally, they were afraid. They were afraid. But God's messengers graciously draw them forward. And this is what they say. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the house of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now this little snippet of the Christmas story is it's important. The shepherds were have commonly been viewed throughout time as, as people who were on the lower rungs of society. But that, that tradition actually developed quite later. Shepherds are viewed positively throughout Scripture. They're viewed positively even in the Old Testament. They weren't the most respected people in society, but they weren't the least respected people in society. They weren't on the lower rung. Shepherds were an everyman. And perhaps the reason that Luke includes them in this story and wants to tell us this story is because he is bringing us into the story also. Did you notice how the angel said that the one promised was born both today and to you, meaning the shepherds, or meaning us, meaning the everyman, both born today and born to you. This was not a promise that was for later. It was a promise that was for now. It wasn't a promise that was for the elite. It wasn't a promise for the poorest of the poor. It was a promise for everyone, for everyone. And that promise was a person. In the town of David is significant because... Because that tells us that he comes from a lineage, a lineage of kings, a lineage from the greatest king, King David himself, that fulfills the promise predicted hundreds of years before. He is a savior, the angels tell us. He comes to free people from the things that imprison them, the things that hold them back, the things that that tie people down. And lastly, he is the Messiah. Now, that's an old Jewish word that the Jews would have recognized as meaning anointed, being being poured over their heads with oil. Priests in ancient times, oil was poured over their heads to induct them into their office. And so were kings. And that's the most important part, because Luke is going to clarify that word Messiah by tacking on another important word. And that important word is Lord. Now that is a title that would not have played nice in the ancient world. It would not have played nice in the world that Jesus was living in. Just as we find 
on the heads of our, on, on coins, we find the heads of presidents today, we would have found on coins in ancient times the heads of emperors, the heads of rulers. But there was something different about rulers back then. They believed that they were spiritually endowed to rule back then. They were spiritually endowed to not just take over an office. They were spiritually endowed to rule over all living beings, to, to rule the entire world. The message from the angels is it's loaded with controversy. King of the world, not Caesar, David's heir. He's the king of the world he has come to take his rightful place. Now look, all of this may not make a lot of sense to us today. Or it, you know what? It might not feel all that relevant to us today. Either we don't serve kings. We elect presidents. And then we ask them to leave after a time, right? <laughs> but who is to blame in our lives when something goes wrong? Who's to blame? Is it a parent? Is it chance? Is it karma when we're down on our luck? Or is it a God too weak to control the circumstances? Is it a brutal God uh, who is out to get you for that one bad thing? Look, we may not think of ourselves as subjects of a kingdom, but we all have kings. What if instead of living under a brutal, incompetent, absent God, a God powerful enough to command angels and gracious enough to say, do not be afraid, came down and occupied our space instead? That seems to be what the shepherds are getting at here. That seems to be the experience that they were having on that night. And the angels, they tell us the conclusion of all this. They say, glory to God in the highest. That word glory here simply means praise. And they continue. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The result of, of the promise of peace from a God-given, kind, welcoming, inviting, strong, saving Lord, different than Caesar, is this. Praise goes upward and peace comes down. Praise goes upward and peace comes down. What does that promise of peace mean? What can that promise of peace mean for, for us, for, for the everyman, for the shepherd, for the teacher, for the baker, for the mechanic, for the kid? And what can it mean for us today? Chances are that the shepherds, they went home that night. They went to their homes after that unforgettable night. They went back to broken relationships. Some of them went back to constantly looking over their shoulders um, after an unfortunate run-in with a Roman soldier that kept them constantly afraid. Some of them went back to barely getting by. Maybe there was a point in one of the shepherds' lives where they looked up and say. Peace, you say? Peace, you say? Yes, that's what the angel said. And on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Well, perhaps those last words stuck with one of the shepherds. Maybe I'm not one of those people 
on whom his favor rests. But do you know what it means to be a person on whom God's favor rests? It simply means this, a person whose heart is open to him. A person whose heart is open to him. If our hearts are open to the one in the highest heavens, peace from above can come flowing down. Not everything will be made right today, but that starts a process of patchwork peace. Patchwork peace. What does patchwork mean? Well, in the world of quilting, patchwork is a technique where you take different pieces of cloth and you sew them all together to create kind of a larger, different thing. Patchwork. And it turns out that this piece that was promised for now can come in all sorts of different ways. And I, I've just thought of three. First, perspective. God's patchwork peace enables every man to see people in, in a new light. It turns out that the battles that we have in life, they are not against people. They're not against flesh and blood. Uh, the people who have wronged us, they are victims of a spiritual battle as well. The Messiah's peace brings us new perspective. The Messiah's peace also brings us purpose. It brings us purpose. That bad thing that happened to you that changed the course of your life, God doesn't look at that and he doesn't, look, he doesn't say that, um, he, he doesn't dismiss it. He doesn't tell us to get over it. He doesn't tell us, that's no big deal. He doesn't say that, that that bad thing was good. Instead, he brings purpose to those bad things that happened to us. He turns people who needed to experience the comfort of God into people who can also share the comfort of God with others. He uses hurt to instill compassion in us for people who experience pain. And he takes people who have been destroyed and he turns them into healers. He brings purpose to those moments. The Messiah's peace brings purpose. And lastly, the Messiah's peace, it brings proximity. It draws us close to the one who created us. It enables us to draw close to him, to know that we have not been forgotten, that we belong, that we are a part of his family, that we are a part of him. And it enables us to draw close to other people. People who are sometimes broken. People who we have sometimes been broken by. And also people that, maybe sometimes people that we do not expect to. The Messiah's peace was sent from heaven to, to create not an unbroken experience today, but the best possible experience that, that we could have today as we anticipate the perfect that's to come. The peace of Jesus, it's being poured out in pieces to those whose hearts are open. The peace of Jesus, let me say that again, is being poured out in pieces to those whose hearts are, are open. We have this little space on our counter at home where broken toys come to be collected, waiting for dad to come home and, and fix them. This is a toy that I had when I was a little kid. It's a part of a little train set that uh, my kids have come to love really well. 
And I find these little uh, train cars on the counter all the time. Uh, the axle, the axle's not so great on this guy. Uh, the, the wood is weak, so it often, it often falls down the stairs, and I find these two pieces separated from one another. An elder here at Christ Church recommended I try cedar, cedar dowel rods, and that's been much more helpful so I can reassemble these on occasion. The hooks. See what I'm talking about? <clears throat> the hooks. That's a wonder when we lose these things that we found as many as we have, but they're constantly coming unscrewed. Sometimes I'll stick, I'll stick toothpicks in them, and if I'm really ambitious, I'll, I'll get some wood glue and I'll pour them in some of the crevices as well. So far, we've found all the hooks. And then on this one, there's a little sliver gone. I don't think we're going to find that. I have no idea where that's at. Um, but the point is that when I reassemble these things and deliver them in, back into the hands of little people, they, they are broken. They're, they're patchwork. They're not completely put together yet. But they still play. They still play. And the peace that is promised that's to come for us it's perfect, and we can hope for it, and we can anticipate it. It's not here. It's come in patchwork form. But when we receive it in its different manifestations, we can still play too. We can still enjoy a meaningful life and purpose with God. The story of uh, Mitchell Robinson uh, struck me a few weeks ago. It reminded me of the man in the cemetery that I shared about on Thanksgiving Day. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not an NBA fan. I don't follow the NBA fan, but after reading this story, I became a fan of Robinson. He had recently taken in his, a roommate who just happened to be his coach, his high school coach from college. A reporter caught up with the coach, and he had this to say about it. My wife passed away in September, and Mitchell, when my wife was in the hospital, Mitchell came each day to visit her and came very close, became very close to myself and my wife. And after the funeral, Mitchell told everyone that he was going to bring me to New York with him. There's no reason for you to stay down here in Louisiana anymore. You come to New York with me and enjoy yourself and get your mind back straight. Because you, know how much you, because you know how much I loved your wife and, and I loved you. And it's just been a great situation, the coach said. It's all there. New perspective. New purpose. Proximity. And, and maybe one of the most surprising ways to bring peace into an unlikely situation. To bring peace wholeness, and hope. If that can happen between common people, what kind of things could the, the Messiah's peace do for us? And in what places in your life could you use that experience of God's peace today? Where could you use God's peace? And is your heart open to receiving it as patchwork as it is in new and powerful ways. 
Let's catch up with Emma and Steve to see how their story wraps. Is that me? Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and ever pining till he the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder. You know, in those days we, we thought our world was weary. <laughs> Little did we know how much pain the future would bring. But hearing your mother's voice and listening to her sing that song at Christmas, it's, it's given me a, a peace. I, I haven't felt in a really long time. Your mother would be so proud of you. I love you. I love you too, Dad. Yeah.